Today, you are going to get a front row seat to the incredible behind-the-scenes story of how the Springboks won the 2007 Rugby World Cup with team manager Zola Yeye. Zola, welcome to Front Row Rugby. Hi, Peter, and hi to everyone. Now, just before we begin our conversation, here's a quick look at today's trivia question. Who scored the Springboks opening try at the 2007 Rugby World Cup? Now, if you know the answer to the question, you can put it in the comment section down below. And we'll also find out if Zola remembers the answer to that. But we'll do that at the end of our conversation. Zola, let's begin with the story of how you actually became the Springbok team manager. Tell us about that. Well, it's quite an interesting journey for me. Uh, I'm a Springbok, uh, but not uh, on the side of the white Springboks then. I'm a fully fresh Springbok, black Springbok. I played for a non-racial side, which is Kwasakele Rugby Union. And then we had a mantra that said, no, no normal sport in an abnormal society under the umbrella of Saru, South African Rugby Union, uh, under Ibrahim Patel. And so we had provinces, uh, Western Province, Tigerberg, Somerset, and uh, Eastern Province, Central Karu. Uh, we had also provinces, uh, border and uh, Veru, all those provinces well spread uh, across the country, uh, it, predominantly black and, and colored you know, formation. And uh, I played for my club, which is Springrose. That was established in 1907. You can see how far we come from. 1907, and I captained the, 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 the team. Uh, in 1987, 80, we were double champions for quite some time. I captained also the Chicky Watsons of a renowned Chicky Watson and Tembalu Dwaba, Lucky Manga, a lot of these guys. As I was a young athlete, and uh, I'm a 100 meters, 200 meters uh, champion. Uh, Victor Ludorum in my school for five years, I collected everything in the province. So potentially, I'm a, I'm a pedigree of note. So that's not, that was not known by many because we lived separately. It was known by my community. And uh, came the elections in 1994 that opened everything. Came the merger of Saru, uh, Southern Rugby Board and Saru in 1992. So that's... That's the beginning of my journey uh, to be part and parcel of a mixed or a non-racial South Africa that's been emancipated, that voted and became part of it. So I'm not more or less a hybrid that was parachuted into the position. Administratively, I'm sound and uh, intellectually sound. I'm highly educated. And I've been a captain of my team, captain of my province. And uh, I've done a lot of things. And I've also worked for the SABC as an administrator, a provincial general manager. So I had all these uh, things on top of me. Came 19, I think it was 2006, 2006, somewhere there. I got a call to say that, listen, we've been looking around. There's no other person that meets your, your pedigree. And will love you, you know, to be part of. I said, guys, I'm doing a lot of things. At that time, I was researching for my PhD, and I said, you're going to disturb me. 
and secondly, um, I've got a job. I'm a general manager of the SABC in the province. And all what you need to do is for you guys to speak to my principals uh, for them to give a go ahead. And I left it with them. That's how I became a spring manager. There was a, a kind of an agreement and then I was seconded to the Springboks. And uh, fortunately for me, we won the Rugby World Cup in 2007. A lovely journey, actually. Um, Zola, I actually read in Jake White's autobiography. I, I don't know if you've uh, read it. Uh, but at the time, he said that uh, he actually wanted Arthur Peterson to be the team manager. If you were aware of that, how did that make you feel? Well, I didn't read a lot on that because there were quite a lot of names that were brandished and uh, during that period there was Nas Bota who was Jake's kind of manager for the junior team that won the rugby world cup there were quite a number of them who were kind of Arthur Peterson Arthur was more or less a, a, a regular part of the finish of the Springboks so he needed somebody you know he, that he knew and he could entrust with responsibility. And then I was an unknown entity when it came to him. Remember, he was a school teacher, a physical trainer at school. He wouldn't know about me that much, and we never played rugby together. I pardoned him for that. So he didn't know me that much. So he didn't uh, kind of make me upset and all that stuff. I just moved on. And uh, when I told him the first time I met them, I said, uh, I've come here to reinvent the wheel. I've come to add value. And uh, I've got the, the, the expertise and I've got the capacity uh, to make sure that everything will work well. And also, I won't uh, do any person any harm, you know, because I happen to be black, you know, because uh, the Springboks are a national asset. They're not somebody's kind of... Uh, private kind of entity. So Zola, what was your relationship like with Jake in the end? Uh, in truth and correct, uh, I didn't know Jake other than, you know, reading about him as a coach of the Springboks. Remember, he was a coach of the Springboks then. Uh, they are tours to Australia. Uh, there are losses there. A lot of people disgruntled about the way the team was playing and all that stuff. I used to comment you know, I have to comment on that because uh, as a former Springbok, as an analyst, a sports analyst, people like to come to me and ask me about uh, what do you think, what do you think? My thoughts were clear. When they were playing well, well, I'll support them. When they were doing something wrong, I'll say that they need to do this and that and that and that. I'm, I'm, I was saying that from experience and I was not saying that from a critic that was not constructive. And then I didn't know him from a bow of soap. You know, I've never shook hands with him until the first day I met him in Johannesburg. And I shook his hands and then and then we, I wouldn't say we had a, a, a chemistry or a relationship there and there because at the back of his mind, you know, he had the people he wanted. He wanted whom he wanted. But you 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 are a coach and then you don't, select your management. You only suggest, and then the administrators, they make sure that these are the people that should work with you because you are not an indispensable entity. 
you are part of nucleus of people that will make sure that the the team uh, succeeds and then your failure becomes everybody's failure the success becomes everybody's success also the union you know starts gloating about the success so i didn't know him that much and uh, the, the 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 politics of my appointment and him uh, they are well renowned and uh, and uh, for me i normally say to people when they ask me about jake it's not worth the salt to 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 talk about those things because they're not going to do me anything you know that will make me to smile if somebody doesn't know you and and i pardon him also i feel sorry for him and feel sorry for a lot of uh, whites who never saw me play who never saw us play and and then it, it becomes a a a a a a a moment of 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 sensitivity and emotion because if you say you don't know me it's because the, the racist system that was institutionalized made you not to know me you know because i would have loved to play against your son or against you you would have known me so you would have no more or less you know minus the issue of me knowing you or not knowing you so it's for me uh, jake's issue was neither here or there you know it was far fetched and unfounded that there was this acrimony and recrimination between myself and him is because he listened to a lot of people that ah this guy has been parachuted by politicians fortunately i've i've, I've lectured political science honor students and i've got masters my honor majors is, is political science i'm not a politician i'm a sportsman through and through and and also that's that's what he didn't know that's what he didn't know later on he learned exactly what kind of me and it's shame it's a shame also i see a lot of people have read his books his book and then they you know his book was more of, uh, vengeful he, he had revenge on on the system or the people who made me to be a springbok manager you know but he didn't understand that i i fully qualified to be where i was you know he is not a springbok he's he was a springbok coach he's not a springbok i played in a springbok team uh, and i've got colors you know that's why there was a debate at some point is that uh, should administration or the coaches and everybody who were there were never springboks must they also wear the springbok uh, blazer and tie there was a debate i remember when uh, eddie jones came there was a debate whether to give him the springbok jersey springbok blade was his is not a springbok he was never a springbok he's a coach he's qualified to be a coach you know and, and for me when i wear my blazer my springbok blazer and i i wear it with pride because i know i've played i've been there if you don't know my history you know if you don't know my history don't judge me based off your 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 your, your inform- information the information you don't have or small information you don't have so english is very clear little information is dangerous my father used to say to me you know what he failed in one thing he should have asked me my father used to say to me if you do not know ask and when you ask you become a fool for a couple of seconds but a wise person for the rest of your life 
that's that's the that's the position. He ended up writing something, you know, diabolical in his book, and that he didn't know me and all that stuff. I didn't have he, which is fundamentally lying. I saved that guy from 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 a mess he was in. He drank clip drift right through, you know, to try to drown his sorrows. And I saved him on numerous occasions. Saru wanted to recall him. We're we're in London. Saru wanted to call him. You know, I told them you can't mess up our communication and also our relationship with the media by calling Jake White. In the book, he lies. He said I recommended that he must be called, must recall to South Africa, which is nonsense. You know, which is nonsense. And I don't. I'm not a, a, a kind of a person who, who derives pleasure from other people's pain. And because there were utterances that he made, he likes to sh- shoot himself on both feet and uh, shooting from the hip and making a lot of enemies. He had a lot of enemies in the media. I don't want to mention their names. He knows. And then I stood up one day in a meeting and uh, all of them, they were there. I pleaded with him, made peace with this guy from the media. Go and have a cup of tea. Because this guy, on a daily basis, he writes something taboo or negative about you. Make peace with him for the sake of the team. You know, it's me because I'm a journalist. You know, I'm a journalist. I know when a journalist smells blood, they say if it bleeds, it leads. They follow you. They follow you. They want exactly to nail you down. And then he was on that on that kind of process, these guys were sitting straight at him because they knew, they knew his, his shortcomings. They knew his short, short, shortcomings. And he was uncomfortable because of quite a number of people also were, were people said they, he must be removed so that so-and-so can be the coach, so-and-so and all that stuff. So I came, I came at a time that was very precarious, a time that was very kind of, you know, worrisome and concerning. So I had to fix it. They didn't have, when I came in, they didn't have a relationship with the media. And I stabilized that. If you look at the videos, there's not a single moment when they have a media conference, I'm not sitting next to them. They will plead and look for me, even if I'm in the bathroom. Where is Mr. Yeah, yeah? Because I would answer all the tough questions when it came to the political things and all those things. Because our country is a developing country and a lot of people are still not happy with the, with the, with the way, the formation or the, the selection of the team. So I will come in. They have to, in my media conference, Jake and the coaches and the medical teams, they'll talk about players. If things like politically, you know, things or issues or administrative issues, or fallouts, or any unsavory kind of uh, thing that will happen. All all those things will be pointed at me. And I was comfortable. I was comfortable, you know. And, you know, I'm not a spin doctor. I speak facts. I speak the truth all the time. First thing I taught myself as a person, speak the truth at the beginning. It will save you. 
Do you really know your rugby? Do you always get your predictions right? Why not make some money then? Open an account right now with Tic Tac Bets and get up to 2,000 Rand and 20 spins with your first deposit. The link is appearing on your screen and I'll also put it in the description area. Please note that this is an affiliate link and I will make a little commission on it. Winners know when to stop. National Responsible Gambling Program. Toll-free helpline 0800-006-008. No persons under the age of 18 years are permitted to gamble. Some fascinating stuff there, Zola. So, off to the World Cup then, 2007, taking place in France, uh, as it is now again in 2023. In the opening match, we beat Samoa very comfortably. Uh, Brian Abana with a hat-trick of tries, and then we had that big match against England, and uh, they were, of course, still the defending champions, even though they maybe weren't as strong as they were four years previously. But the Springboks destroyed England that night. What was the feeling among management after that victory? It was, you know, a joyous moment for us. I was overwhelmed with emotions. And, I, I, you know, I'm not a person who derives pleasure from any pain. But England, they were the world champions. And we were on the world champions, you know, platform. And for the boys to click, you know, against England and also produce though that, that result, it was a turnaround. And we knew that we needed to ride on the momentum. Management, you know, they were just singing in the rain. But we're, all, we're not overconfident because we knew there were a lot of obstacle, obstacles uh, on the way. I remember being interviewed on, on radio. Uh, I think it was an Irish, you know, kind of uh, BBC, whatever. And I couldn't stop talking. And I didn't understand what I was, I knew what I was saying, but the joy in me, you know, my senses, the adrenaline was pumping and overwhelmed and excited about, you know, the wind itself, clinical, high intensity, you know, and, you know, those are some of the moments of, because I'm a rugby player, I used to play rugby. I know, I know when you win, you know, you win against a big team. England is a huge team. We have to respect. I still respect England today. I respect them. And but you know when you 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 you, you when we fell that giant, you know that big obstacle, and we knew the road was still long. Uh, we didn't know that players will fail and or will be beaten. We didn't know France also will be beaten. The strong didn't know Australia also will be beaten, but we knew. We have beaten England, you know, in a pool. And uh, we'll, as long as we we'll ride, uh, we'll ride on that momentum to make sure that we'll reach the, the finals, which is the knockout stages, that's when things turn around. There'll be a paradigm shift. There'll be a change of strategy based on that because it's a knockout kind of system. That's how intense that, that the tournament is. It needs focus and it needs also fit individuals. You know, it's, it's unbelievable, uh, my management, especially the doctors that I had, the physios, everybody that was there. Everyone was focused. Everyone wanted that team to succeed, including myself. No one wanted anything other than a success. Not a success for Zolayeye or for Jake White, but a success for the team and for the country because we were given opportunity by the country to go uh, to war against other countries. So 
And then when we did well, it was well even at home. And the interest from people in South Africa was overwhelming. The call we got, uh, you know, people already booked their their tickets, booked their, their, their accommodations. Everybody calling, parents and everybody, they went berserk. That's what we were told. South Africa talked rugby, which is a unifying thing. Madiba used to say sport is the unifying kind of, you know, tool you can use to make sure that everybody, you know, gets more or less the opportunity one has or wants one. Absolutely. So Zola, during the pool stages, there was a disciplinary hearing that Francois Stein had to attend. Talk to me about the role that you had to play during that process. I, I laugh when I foreshadow, I think back about Francois' one. Francois he, he was an interesting character and he, he's got one of those uh, very special moments or special rooms in my heart. Because he's such a humble and an emotional young guy. Very highly talented from Alwan North here in the Eastern Cape, if you didn't know about that. And then when he came in in 2006, I think he was run about 16 or 17. He's a big boy with a big boot, big heart, courageous, you know. And then he went to the World Cup in 2007, you know, a game breaker, you know, a hybrid horse, you know. Very, very good boy. Now, Francois, I got a note. Uh, they were looking for me in the hotel. I got this note to say that I have to, Francois must a stage, must go to a hearing for biting somebody. Yeah, biting somebody. And then I looked for Francois. I couldn't get all of him. I couldn't get all of him. Where is Francois? Looked all those rooms. Eventually, I got hold of him, knocked at the room. He was there. I said, Francois? Uh, hey, it is. The, you've been cited for biting. He said in Afghans, Eke, yeah, yeah. He said, I was wearing a gum shield. How can I bite somebody with, with a gum shield? I said, There's nothing I can say. You've been cited for biting. That's one of those kind of uh, exciting moments. But we knew we'll be vindicated. Franza didn't bite that guy. He didn't bite that guy. You know, he had a gum. The evidence was there. You know, these guys wear gums now. I don't know whether the, the teeth can protrude through a gum and, and cause such a, a mark, you know, a, you know, a visible mark. But we went to that one. But the biggest hearing was with Skullberger. That was a Skullberger hearing. That was where I had to go and 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 sit and and also organize and together with his father and together with the big guys, big business people in 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 uh, in South Africa and our legal entity Saru and everybody else and go and sit there because we were worried if they were going to ban him you would have had major, major repercussions in our camp. Voskal Berger is such a talent and a very unique talent. And he had a special place in him. So wouldn't like to lose him. So we had to defend Sark, you know, at all costs. So we went there, 
we sat down and uh, it's guys who come from Australia, comes from maybe Argentina or somewhere, you know, the Judea, you know, most, you know, court of law is not an easy thing, whether it's a hearing or no. You know, people come with with clauses and then the consecution and the dismary, you know, codes of conduct and all kind of things they juggle and just put in front of the boy. But uh, as luck would have it, and uh, he didn't, you know, kind of get the, the, the punishment that everybody was talking about, that he'll end up missing out on him playing uh, on uh, at that World Cup. So those are some of the challenging moments. And uh, the press uh, with, with Carl Berger, you know, they had a field day. You know, they had a field day. You know, most when the press is after you, you know, even if you sneeze, they stay with you. They want you to collapse. Even if you collapse, they stay with you. They want you to be buried six feet under. Even if you're buried six feet under, they say you must be taken out to be tested. You know, try and get a DNA and check this guy is dead. Is he the one who's there? That's what was happening there. And then the question was, who else was there? Zola was there. What does Zola know about uh, legal? They forgot, you know, my first, you know, tertiary kind of subject. I attended the law school. I went to school. Did it at Forte. So I was comfortable with uh, not necessarily I'm not a lawyer. But I was comfortable with legal matters. I used to go through all the cases and then used to do a lot of things. And an administrator also at work. I knew the issues when it came, the labor unions would bring issues. You have to look at the case study. You have to look at certain things, whether it's balance of probability, probability or uh, or whether it's beyond reasonable doubt. So we went there. I was prepared, but I was quiet. And I had to calm, calm down. And then the lawyer they brought, you know, to 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 fight his case out. I was was very happy. He eventually stayed with us. He was not kicked out of the World Cup. Zola, we beat Fiji in the quarterfinals, and that same weekend, Australia were knocked out of the World Cup, as were the All Blacks. Would you say that at that moment you realized that the World Cup was ours to lose? We we realized, but we're very very kind of uh, concerned. We still had to play. Argentina. Argentina was on fire. And it would have been Argentina's first final if we would have beaten them in the semifinals. So we were very kind of uh, guided in our excitement. Or, or I would say we didn't want to, to, be, to look beyond the team we're going to play. We wanted to take uh, they say if you want to eat an elephant, you must bite it piece by piece. We just did that. We focused on every team that we're going to play because the the road was clear, but it was still dangerous. You know, uh, we can we could have reached, we could have gone to that match against Argentina, and not produce the same kind of uh, intensity we produced against England when we beat them 36 nil. We could have played. A negative rugby, they could have destroyed that because they had a powerful pack. Uh, those players from Argentina came from Europe. They played in Europe and uh, Toulouse, Marseille, all those places. There were a collection of highly trained individuals. You know, 
and then uh, we were we were weary of them. We were weary of them, but we we're not afraid of them. But we respected them. We we're not afraid of them. And then when we beat them, you don't know what happened. They could have killed a cat. The way they were so angry, you know, they went on their bus. I don't know. Somebody said they might have stripped the chairs uh, of those buses. They were very. They couldn't believe that we beat them because we had the momentum and we had the team and we had the potential and we had the focus. Our focus now was clear. If we beat them, we go to the final. Anything can happen in the final. When you get to the final, it's 50-50. You know, any, anyone can win. And indeed, we beat Argentina and we were playing England again uh, for the second time at that tournament after having beaten them 36-0, as you mentioned. And also, Zola, you'll remember that earlier in the year, we beat England twice by 50 points in uh, test matches on home soil. Given the dominance that the Springboks had experienced over England, how was Jake able to keep the players focused in that week leading up to the final? Let me tell you this, you know, people, something they don't know. The role of our medics and our physicians and our psychologists. We had brilliant people, we had a brilliant group of people that were there. And, you know, psychologically worked them out. Before we played the final, that week of the final, there was not a single player that had an injury. It's how focused these guys are. There was not a single player that we maintained a solid kind of uh, platform or a solid blanket to protect them from any unsavory or acrimonious noise that could, you know, deter them from thinking about what is going to happen in a couple of, you know, a couple of hours, I would put it hours, because England, we knew they might have started us. We started them also. And we knew we normally beat them, even at Twickenham from time to time. You know, so, but things would have changed now. It's the final. So we didn't, we didn't uh, want us to be too, too relaxed and all that stuff. What I was happy about is the state of health and the mentality, strong mentality they had before. That strong mentality is the one that carried the team to the final. And nothing else, guys. This is it. 80 minutes, period, sacrosanct, ring-fenced. The pride is there. Everyone can see. There's the pride. Let's go for it. And we won it, 15-6, and we'd won the Rugby World Cup for the second time. Tell me, Zola, when the referee blew the final whistle, how did you feel? I danced. I danced. I was not holding anyone. I was holding the nice, uh, fresh air uh, in Paris. I danced nicely like this. I said, hallelujah, you know, and uh, God is great, you know, and uh, I was... Overwhelmed also is more because it's, it's been, it was a heavy, 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 you know, uh, kind of road. The road is always heavy when you have a different pack of individuals, different traditions, 
different cultures and different language. And also all of them are bound by uh, potential they have and also are bound by one green and gold jersey that's had, you know, a history of winning things and making sure that the country also is on there on the international map. And I felt good for myself. Guess what I did? Because I, I knew I'm not going to stay for a long time with the Springboks. I, I, I sent an SOS call for my wife to come. You know, my wife to come. I said to her, this could be my last time as a Springbok manager. And I want you to experience it. And I have a feeling that we're going to win this Rugby World Cup. Come, my wife. She came, she flew down with Francois Staines, a girlfriend, landed in London. They came to the... And I didn't disappoint her. And I didn't disappoint the people who entrusted me with the responsibility. I didn't cause any chaos. I didn't have any scandal. And I didn't also, uh, you know, kind of... Uh, bring any depression on any individual and all what I brought is joy and excitement and victory and I lived by the mantra of my high school, Cowan High School that nil nisi optimum uh, that night in Paris at the stadium there was nothing else but the best and I became the best manager I brought home gold I was the second spring of manager but I was the first player to bring a gold home. Hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not consider becoming a patron? You can click on my Patreon link. I'll put it on the screen as well as in the description box. And there will be great benefits for members. Let's get back to the interview. Zola, in 1995, Madiba famously wore Francois Pinot's number six jersey. And then in 2007, we saw President Mbeki appear at the final in his Springbok jacket. I think it was a little bit colder that night than it was when Madiba and Francois interacted. But talk to me about the way that President Mbeki interacted with the Springbok team that night. Remarkable. He's a remarkable man. And uh, he doesn't, he's not, he's not like the character of Madiba you know, and all that stuff. But he's a student of discipline and also, and uh, he's a, his words are measured and they sit in, in, into your brain chemistry so that you can succeed. When he came down, and remember what happened, before him, Madiba came. Madiba was at the hotel. You had a picture with him. We sat with him and pictures with him. He said, well, I've done my, my job. Uh, Tabo will look after you thereafter. Okay, he shook hands, and then I'll see you in South Africa. Next time I see you, you better bring that trophy. <laughs> you know, and then he said, yes, yes, my diva will do that. And then the, the first person who, person who visited us was the deputy president of the country, high profile, you know, Mlamunguka. She came and said, He's bring, she's bringing... She was bringing the blessings and the greetings from the people of South Africa. You know, we embraced that and then we thanked her for, for coming. Because sometimes when you've been away, you've been on the road for far too long, you know, and uh, you, you think about what's happening at home and all that stuff. But she assured us 
that the countries behind us and it, it made us, it was so commendable to hear that from the deputy president. She left unbeknown to her and then to some of the people. When it got into the final, we had a big word that the president is on his way. He said, the president said to Mlambonuga, the deputy president, tell those boys, if they get into the final, I'll come to Paris. I won't come to, to I won't come there for them to lose they better win the trophy. So we had those kind of, uh, you know, military kind of, you know, encouragements and given instructions by your, your commander-in-chief that we need to do this and you do it the right way. So we as administrators, we had to make sure that he came. When he came down, he came with the Minister of Sport then, Makengese Stofile, and some greats, rugby greats in South Africa. He came down, he sat with us and assured us that guys, no matter what it takes, I'm here now, you are in the final, and uh, we know your potential, and we know you can deliver, you know. And uh, he didn't say, if you, don't fall, if you fall short, don't come back. No. He said, and we're very proud. You've made us proud. You've made the country proud. Everyone in the world, millions are watching uh, the Springboks again getting to the final with the potential of us winning. And then he came. Uh, there's a, a guy called Ashwin Willemsen. When we won the, 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 the final, and Ashwin and me, we, we had a kind of nice talk, man-to-man -man talk. Listen, Ashwin, uh, we know that the, the French or the World Cup, World Rugby, said uh, no one must come on the field, but we want our president to come on the field. Somebody must go and bring him. He must get out of those nice presidential suites. He must come down. And then somebody sent that message. And then the uh, President Tabumbegi came down. And we said, we planned it with Ashwin. Said, Ashwin, uh, Madiba wore number six jersey. Nobody lifted him, but this one is going upstairs. Want to lift him. Ashwin, President Beggy didn't know. Remember, he's got his, his, his security protocol and then all that stuff. It was a security detail he goes with. And then I sat on the hand, I was stood on that side, and Ashwin stood on, were in the front. And then the trophy, when John, John Smith lifted the trophy, trophy and then they, he, he gave the trophy to President Beggy. And then we just lifted him high. And we could see he was panicking. He thought maybe there was something, uh, you know, untoward what, what was happening. We never told him what he wanted to do. We we're very naughty. But it, it, our naughtiness was very sweet based on the excitement that was there. He accepted it. I remember when we arrived back, when he, he invited us to Mashamandovu at the union building. And uh, when he arrived with the team, he said, there are two guys... Uh, I want to discipline, you know, how can they lift it? <laughs> oh man, so high. And then <laughs> it was quite quite a sweet thing. It was a sweet thing, momentous thing. And uh, it's in the in the archives of history now. The pictures are there to tell that sweet moment that politicians, administrators, sports people enjoy it. All of us, we ate from the same dish we sang, 
the same from the same book, you know, we drank from the same pond. Zola, let's stay with the excitement and the joy theme for a moment. The Springboks came home and they had ticker tape bus parades all over the country. Almost every major city, the Springboks made their way through on the bus. I was lucky enough to be on the bus in Cape Town. What an atmosphere, what an occasion. Talk to me a little bit about those parades. Those parades were, were, <laughs> were incredible. They were incredible. You know, throngs of people, you know, from all walks of life, different colors, a rainbow nation of our country, celebrating a victory that has made the nation so proud. And we're there, up there, who felt, you know, the weight of their joy. And then it lifted us up. And to say, you know, if our country can be like that, can celebrate like that, let them ride on arm. We've set a, a fatal well, platform for our, for our country just to move forward and, and, and do the right thing. What we're happy with, we were celebrating, uh, uh, we, 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 we're joyful, we're rejoicing on success. And then we wish how our country can, can more or less you know, ride on this fatal platform of joy and pride and, and, and forget about everything, whether you're black or you're white or you're poor or you're needy or whatever. You know, that, that's, that's, that's the kind of momentum that was so, that, that was inseparable from the occasion. You know, it was something that was, the, 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 that bound us all. When we looked at each other, you know, we could see guys wanting to kiss each other. They wanted, to, they embraced each other. We forgot about, everything you know we thought about the victory and what kind of victory brought to the country and and not a single politician didn't want to be part of us you know which means we're the glue that bound the opposition and the 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 government in 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 charge and and whoever and it was that kind of a moment that it will ever sit in my brain ever sit in my life and it will be treasured for a long, long time. And that I, I, I we make sure when we crisscross, we came to Port Elizabeth. All those guys on that bus, they said, Zolo, where's your home? I said, there's my home. The bus stopped for a moment. I saw my mother's home, you know, and I wish my mother and my father were still alive to see the sign. What you should remember, I'm the only child, you understand? If I can achieve such, they would have, you know, would have been overjoyed, you know. But they saw me playing those days. Yes, yes. But this was an international stage, you know. And and it was not a Zolaya team. It was a South African team that has achieved. And it was celebrated worldwide. You know, the, 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 the win in, in France and Paris it gave me friends across the oceans. I still have, I'm still friends with them to date. We send each other emails, we talk about it. I remember the guys who are in France, as we speak, they're asking me, are you coming to France? I said, I don't know, I don't know. You know, the Euro is too strong against the rent, provided I get a sponsor, somebody can sponsor for me to defend my trophy there. I would come to France. You know, that's the kind of relationship 
you know, there's somebody, there's a saying that says that uh, life is about conversations and partnerships. It's that kind of conversation you have. We had a conversation on the rugby field and we had a relationship with our communities and our country. That, 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 that stays there, sitting there historically. Nobody can remove it. It really was a special time. And just talking about it now, bringing back all those memories, I can feel the goosebumps all up. Let's finish with the trivia question. Who scored the Springboks opening try at the 2007 Rugby World Cup? Zola, I know that you know the answer, but I have to check if you remember the answer. 2007. Is it Brian Abana? It is Brian Abana. He scored the opening try for the Springboks in 2007. And of course, we went on to beat Samoa in that game. And the rest is history. Zola, let me say, it was lovely having you on Front Row Rugby today. Some fascinating stories, and I really want to thank you for sharing those with us. And I hope that we can have you on again in the future. Much obliged. Thank you very much. Also, Peter, uh, Godspeed.